0: Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with more than 4 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we bring on Grant Cardone to give you a real look at what it means to be successful and what it really takes to get there. He shares the exact shifts you have to make in order to 10x your life. We uncover why you should ignore most people's advice, how to push yourself to a new level beyond what you even think is possible, why learning isn't enough to get to the highest levels, and much more. Welcome back to another business-focused episode of The Science of Success. Everything we teach on the show can be applied to achieving success in your business life. And now, we're going to show you how to do that along with some interviews of the world's top business experts. These business episodes air every other Tuesday, along with your regularly scheduled Science of Success content. Enjoy this business-focused interview. Are you a fan of the show, and have you been enjoying the content that we put together for you? If you have, I would love it if you signed up for our email list. We have some amazing content on there along with with a really great free course that we put a ton of time into called How to Create Time for What Matters Most in Your Life. If that sounds exciting and interesting, and you want a bunch of other free goodies and giveaways along with that, just go to successpodcast.com. You can sign up right on the homepage. That's successpodcast.com. Or if you're on your phone right now, all you have to do is text the word Smarter. That's S-M-A-R-T-E-R to the number 4. 222. In our previous episode, we shared lessons from the world of high stakes poker. What's it like to bet a million dollars on the turn of a card? What can we learn about making better decisions and dealing with tough emotions under those extreme circumstances? We shared a powerful strategy for managing your emotions in a crisis, showed you how to make tough decisions like a professional poker star, and much more with our previous guest, Alec Torelli. If you want to make the best decisions for your life, even under the toughest possible circumstances, listen to our previous interview. Now, for our interview with Grant. Please note, this episode contains profanity. Today, we have another epic guest on the show, Grant Cardone. Grant is the CEO of Cardone Capital, an international speaker, entrepreneur, and author of The 10X Rule, as well as two dozen best-selling business programs. Named the number one marketer to watch by Forbes magazine, he has founded the 10X Movement and the 10X Growth Conference, which has grown to the world's largest business and entrepreneur conference. He's been featured in countless media outlets across the globe. Grant, welcome to the Science of Success.
2: Man, appreciate you having me.
0: I hope there is a science to success. Yeah, well, that's what we're trying to find out. I've been looking for it my whole damn life. That's awesome. Let's dig into that a little bit. I'd love to figure out, at least in your experience, Grant, obviously you're tremendously successful. What was the, or was there, I know you had a really interesting upbringing and childhood and a lot of traumatic and challenging pieces of that. But what was one of the biggest inflection points in your business career? What was the moment that you went from being an average Joe to somebody who you're like, wow, this rocket ship's really taking off. I'm really going to achieve success on a level that most people never do or that maybe even you didn't think was possible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 10X rule, man. The 10X rule was a game changer for me. I've been in this space of trying to discover the science. Seriously, like ever since I was like 10 years old, but I made it a profession when I was 25. 25 years old, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to do business. I learned how to do sales when I was 25. At 30, I learned a little more about how to sell stuff because I had my own business. Then I was selling stuff door to door. But I didn't really learn sales. I didn't really learn the business game. Like, I didn't know I was going to really, really be somebody. I always thought maybe I could be. You know, I think we all have those fantasies, right? When I was a kid, I thought maybe I'd be a rock and roll star. And then in my teen years, I thought I was going to be a baseball player. And then, like, around 20, I said, maybe I'm going to be a drug pin. I'm going to be the next, uh, the godfather of uh, some kind of, you know, I thought maybe I was going to end up in in the crime business because I didn't know what I was going to do for a living. Like I was literally lost for like 10 years. But when I finally became a legitimate businessman in my 30s and from 30 to about 45 years old, I was making good money. I mean, I was doing in comparison to the other people around me. I was definitely successful, but I knew that I had another level in me. And it took 2008 when the whole thing changed. Everything changed for me. Between 2008 and 2010, I wrote The 10X Rule in 2010. And when I wrote that book, I wrote it for me. I never thought I'd sell one copy of that book. I was trying to figure out the science of my next level. Like, what would it take for me to scale my business like the big boys? Prior to that, I was making, I don't know, three million bucks a year, which is a great deal. Like, Less than 4% of all businesses in America make a million dollars. Very few people ever learn how to make a million dollars. And I was doing three, but I wasn't doing 30. And I wasn't spending anything on advertising. And I was still operating out of my house. And I had maybe half of an employee. I was contract laboring people. Like I was kind of like a broken vehicle that was getting patched up and bonded all the time. And I looked good by the time I got to the destination, but I knew when I got in the car, dude, everything was kind of like just being held together. And I had to do everything. And in 2008, when the economy fell apart, when we had this, what I would call a depression, not a recession, this global massive contraction, when the tide went out, then we found out, okay, what is Grant really made of? What kind of business is this really? And anybody that had too much debt at that time or not enough cash, not enough assets, not enough customers, if you weren't known in probably at least 10 different industries, you got ripped apart. So the last eight or nine years has really been the creation of grant. I mean, this is a long answer to a very simple question you're asking. When was it? It wasn't one time. It's been a thousand times. Like I went from having $7 million in the bank to almost $1.5 billion worth of real estate in the last 10 years. I went from three employees to almost 500 employees from spending no money in advertising to spending a million dollars a month in advertising. The first thing to change was this. Like my mind changed. Hey, I got to be a big boy now. I had been negatively impacted by other successful people's thinking. Meaning, the guy that made a couple million dollars from his house, from the entrepreneurs, from the well, what do they call it? The solopreneurs. I mean, we have words being used today every day that weren't even being used 20 years ago. Solopreneur entrepreneur, self-employed, influencer, bro, just because you can influence don't mean you can cash a check.
0: That's very true.
2: You know? So that's why I say that thing about you can fake a Lambo, but you can't fake a jet. I like that. Anybody anybody can lease a car. You can even charter a jet. You can even take a photo in front of a jet, but you can't fake putting your name on a jet. (laughs) So for me, the science of success is really about what did Coca-Cola do? What did Warren Buffett do? What's Elon Musk doing? What did Alexander the Great do? Not what did Bobby do on Instagram to get 700 likes.
0: Yeah, that's such good advice. And looking at studying the greatest achievers of all time, the Alexander the Greats, the Caesars, Rockefeller, etc. I mean, you can see the bookshelf behind me where I have all of those biographies sitting there I'm curious, I want to dig into more of this transition point. And, and I love the piece of advice that you had that it wasn't one thing, it was a thousand small things. Yeah. What were some of the other things? You talked about shifting your mindset. What else enabled you to go from a successful small businessman to a world shaping mogul?
2: So I quit listening to small, successful businessmen and women. I quit getting advice from, no offense, punks. And I felt like a punk dude. Like I felt like, Oh, I'm a businessman, but you walk into a room, you know, you go to New York city, you're making three or 4 million bucks a year. And you think you're the shit. You got a couple cars paid for, you got a house, you blown to a country club. I walked into a meeting with Goldman Sachs with a billionaire at that time. I was probably worth, I don't know, 80 million bucks. Dude, they didn't pay attention to me. I was not even there. Okay. I could have walked in with a hard on and no pants, They wouldn't even have recognized that I was there. I could have opened an account that day with 80 million with Goldman Sachs. They still wouldn't have paid attention to me. I was no one. And that was like, when I walked into the Goldman Sachs building and I saw their elevators, their elevator, one elevator was bigger than my office. I was like, what the fuck have I been thinking, man? Okay, what have I been thinking? Now, at that time, I owned a bunch of real estate, but I I refused to manage other people's money. And I'm like, what am I thinking? Everybody, all my uncles, my brother, all these people, all these little players, my accountant, my lawyer said, don't manage other people's money. Don't take other people's money. Don't let other people invest with you. It's a problem. All these other people. Then I walk into Goldman Sachs building. I'm like, how'd they build this place? They raised other people's money. They had people working in that building that made more money working for Goldman Sachs than I made working for myself. I'm like, what the fuck have I been thinking? This is a thousand, like I'm getting beat. I feel like I'm in Singapore. I'm getting cracked on the back with a, what is that, a cane? A cane, I'm getting beat, man. I'm like, whoa. You know, Blackstone this week, Blackstone, uh, I think it was last week actually now, they raised $20 billion in 72 hours. Like one thing has to happen is you go like, I want to be a real player. If you want to be a real player, you cannot get advice from little players. You can't be a whale and act like krill. Yeah, you can show off like a little clownfish, but you got to remember, you can't leave the amenity because somebody's going to eat your ass up. I was telling a guy in the interview the other day, bro, you got to change the questions you're asking yourself. If you start in sales, okay, and you want to get great at sales, okay, good, get great at sales. But at some point, you got to start asking questions about business, not sales. You got to elevate the game. You got to start getting uncomfortable with other shots. And so for the business person, the businessman, the businesswoman, for a person to go from an idea to being a CEO, really running a company, you gotta keep changing the questions you ask yourself and not get comfortable in any one lane. That means you're always taking new risk. Like I'm having to take new risk all the time. I'm having to reach out and meet new people. I'm having to be in new interviews, ask new questions.
0: Yeah, that's great. There's a number of really good insights from that. One of the things that Seems like it was a breakthrough for you is this idea of starting to manage other people's money or or leveraging other people's capital so that you could play in a bigger game. How did you begin implementing that into your life? So you're sitting there in the elevators, you say, Oh my God, I have to start leveraging other people's capital. How did you start to put that into motion? Well,
2: that was one company. Okay. So it wasn't about other people's money. It was the realization, like, what was I thinking? Why am I worried about raising money from other people when I know I have a great investment vehicle? I know it's better than Goldman Sachs' shit paper. They'll sell anything to anybody. They'll take a billion dollars from you and let it sit in a bank account and pay you nothing. Like, whatever. I know I'm putting people in these beautiful real estate deals, but I won't put anybody in it because I got this one piece of data that was given to me by another guy that said, leave other people's money alone, man. Don't get too big. Fly under the radar, right? That was just one little business, okay? There was another business, my seminar business. My seminar business, I was told early on, hey, you need to be the main guy on stage. That was bad data. When I started collaborating with other speakers, bringing other people, it was no longer Grant on stage. It became the 10X movement. So I've worked with Tim Story, Tim Grover, Steve Harvey, Snoop Dogg, Little John, like John Maxwell. We got Scooter Braun coming to my next gig. I mean, I've had unbelievable names. When you collaborate with other people, it lifts your brand up. But I was told by people in the speaking space, the coaches, the gurus, you know, these guys with, that operate a business from home, part-time, and tell people how to have a full-time business and grow their business, I was told by them, man, hold the stage yourself, don't share the stage. Again, it's just bad advice. You got to collaborate. You got to go wide. Okay. I look at Coca-Cola or Google or Facebook or Netflix. Look at the money they're willing to lose in order to get to be a dominant power in their space. The average million dollar company does not want to lose money. They're terrified to lose money. The average entrepreneur is unwilling to even invest money and time to grow their business. That's why so many of them office from home. Might be why you're running your podcast from the house. It's cheap, dude. That's fair. I mean, the reality is, look, for you to get sponsors, for you to become a $10 million a year podcast, you're going to have to get a studio. You're going to have to get advertisers. Okay, you're going to have to have bumpers. You know, you're going to have to sell a part of your soul. But everybody's got to compromise something to get bigger. And a lot of people don't want to compromise. They want to just stay where they're at.
0: That's really interesting. And you brought up a really good point, which is there's a lot of bad advice. You brought up a number of good points, but the, this idea that there's a lot of bad advice or limiting advice from people who are maybe at the middle tiers of success. How do you filter out? How did you know this is bad advice versus this is good advice? I should listen to this person. I should ignore what, what this other person is telling me.
2: I'm careful about who I study. And then when I read, when I find somebody, I'm like, okay, I like this person. I want to study them. I don't just take data from them without taking a look at the data. Howard Schultz is famous for saying one of the things that that he believes in is don't advertise. He's a multi-billionaire, took an idea called Starbucks. It's a world-recognized brand today, one of the most valuable brands in the world. He says, do not advertise, okay? I saw this this morning. And I'm like, Howard says, yeah, I've seen that before. What does that really mean? When Howard Schultz says don't advertise, does that mean I should not advertise? And I'm like, wait a minute he doesn't spend money on advertising. Okay. But, and I I think he does spend money on advertising, but he buys the best locations in New York City to put his stores on. In Miami, the best locations possible. Houston, Texas, best locations possible. Tokyo, Japan, best locations. He will pay more money for a lease to make sure he gets traffic he needs. That is a form of advertising. In fact, it's cheaper for me to buy some space on Facebook than it is for me to buy a Fifth Avenue and 43rd Street. So he is advertising, okay? Also, number two, for him to become the president of the United States, which he dropped out of, he would have to advertise, and he didn't, so he had to drop out. So just because a guy is super successful, and just because he has a piece of data doesn't mean you want to just drink it, eat it, without first studying it, okay, because- If I study the Googles or the Facebooks or the Netflixes or the Coca-Colas or the Super Bowl, do you want to advertise? If you're Lay's potato chips, you need to advertise. If you're Nike, you better advertise. If you're a small entrepreneur, you need to get the whole world to know you. You must advertise. This is a mistake I made for 20 years. Not marketing, not advertising, holding on to money because I was a little player, holding my money. I don't want to spend it. And the reality is, if nobody knows me, they can never trust me.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So what was the inflection point where you realized that you need to start making yourself more well-known, that you need to start advertising, that you need to start deploying your capital instead of hoarding it?
2: I can only be in one place at one time, right? So uh, I'm talking to you right now. Hopefully, this gets out to millions of people. You know, when the economy crashed in 2008, I knew this was not about the economy. It was about me no one knew Grant Cardone. And when things go to shit, whatever leftover money there is always goes where it knows. Money does not go to strange places when it becomes scarce. It goes to familiar places. Money moves to familiarity. It moves to where I'm comfortable. What's comfortable? Something I see every day. That's why people go home every day. It's comfortable. That's why people say, uh, no place like home. Cause it's so familiar, man. And so where does money go? Money goes home. Money always goes home. Money goes to where it's most familiar. And no one knew me. One industry knew me well. And when that industry got cut in half, there was 20,000 auto dealers in America. They all knew me. They got cut in half down to about 9,000. They didn't have any money. So that one industry, I was dependent upon one industry. That's when I knew what Warren Buffett meant about never depend on one flow of anything. So that's when I got busy saying, I got to create, number one, I got to get more people to know who I am. This is where the mind clicks. I'm giving you practical now, not just aha, because the aha never turns into money. So you guys are watching. Oh man, that was great. That's never money ever. Okay. Ahas are never, ever money for me. What's money for me is aha, (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo, you know, for me, that meant, okay, I got to get everybody. I got it. I made a list of industries, chiropractory medical, dentist, cosmetic surgeons, plumbers, roofers, real estate agents, real estate brokers. I need to get every one of these professions to know who I am. Financial advisors, brokers, bankers. Like I need to get them all to know me. This was 10 or 12 years ago. This was pre-podcasters. The word influencer wasn't even around yet. So now we have all that. So if somebody's listening to this right now, what are you going to do? You got to get people that have influence, to know who you are. It is not important who I know it is, but it's not as important as who knows me. Because if I can get people, if I can get strangers to recognize my name or my face or seem somewhat familiar, that is the next level to saying, okay, now I can start sharing ideas and concepts and products and possibly becoming profitable.
0: Yeah. It's the classic no like, trust cycle. And you're basically saying that when you advertise, when you become somebody who's really well-known, that you're accelerating that cycle and elevating yourself to a higher playing field where you have tons more opportunities.
2: Yeah. And what what I did for 25 years is I just tried to get people to trust me. The first thing I did was I thought... Actually, I made a different mistake than that. I thought if people just saw how good my product was, I'd be good. So I spent years with this idea that I had the best product and that was gonna do it, that was a mistake. Then I'm like, okay, now I need to get people to trust me. Well, that was actually a mistake too. I need to get people to know me because if they don't know me in an industry, my product doesn't matter and they'll never trust me. We all see signs of uh, best product getting beat all the time. So just because you have the best product does not mean you're gonna get the most business. You have to get known. So you're right, get known. What did you say? Known, liked, and trusted?
0: Yeah. no like, trust. You have to know somebody in order for you to like them. And you have yeah. to like somebody in order for you to trust them.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's probably right. I didn't know those last two, but that probably makes sense. And um, I've spent the last eight years... Well, I didn't have an Instagram account eight years ago. Nobody did. I didn't have a Facebook account. Facebook had just come out. I started a YouTube account, I think, 11 years ago. So I didn't know how to do a YouTube video. I didn't have a subscriber to any of these channels. I didn't have a Twitter account. So those were all distribution channels, right? So, hey, how do I get known? Make a list. Who do I want to know me? Okay. Three, how can I distribute content to those at the lowest possible cost? Because at that time I didn't have any money. So I'm either going to spend money on that distribution channel or I'm going to spend organic energy. They're very similar, by the way. It's a lot cheaper just to spend money. We probably spend a million dollars a month in monetary exchange for ads today, money. We trade a million dollars a month in advertising, but I'll bet you I spend another 10 times that in energy.
0: How do you stand out when you're creating all this content? There's so much noise now on social media. How would Obviously, you have a platform now that helps you stand out, but when you were just getting started or for somebody who is just getting started, what advice would you have for them to be able to stand out amongst all of that noise?
2: frequency. Number one, be frequent. You got to be frequent. It's not how unique your content is in the beginning. People have to trust that you're going to be there. In the beginning, they actually had to be a little shocked that you keep showing up. You know, you're like, why is this guy doing this Facebook live thing? He's only got three people there and it's hard, man. It's a grueling deal. It's much easier to go hire a manager, an agent, or just spend money on advertising. This is a grueling grind out and nobody, nobody's talking about how, how much of a grind it is. Cause a lot of people are just buying, they're buying bullshit likes. I'm glad the likes are going to go away. It's going to destroy people, man. It's going to kill them. These guys on Instagram, they got, they got to get their likes. It's going to crush them. Okay. Cause it doesn't mean anything. Like you got to build a real following of people and Instagram and Facebook, this is not a new thing. This is the way it was 100 years ago. You got to build a following. And uh, you want to build an army? If you're going to take over some part of the world a 1,000 years ago, you needed an army. People need to know that you're serious, and they need to know that you're a threat. Because if they don't know you're a threat, dude, they're not going to take you serious. And you'll only pull that off a couple of times. So people are trying to roll around by themselves, and you wonder why people aren't taking you serious. Because you're competing with LeBron, man. LeBron can roll by himself, he shows up, everybody watches him, you're lost in the crowd, nobody sees you, you can't even see yourself anymore, so everybody's got to become LeBron, you got to become a star, okay, I look up in the sky at night, man, my eyes always go to the brightest star in the sky, and that's not going to change, it's not going to change because your race, color, religion, your prayers, you got to be the brightest star in the room, otherwise you're going to get overlooked. And brightest star also, what comes with the brightest star is when everybody's looking at you, they're also seeing either you don't meet their expectations. Oh, he ain't that bright. I thought that star was bigger than that. You know, when you get that much attention, what comes with it is not all admiration. Then a person really meets themselves. When you start getting more than likes, you get dislikes and you get people ignoring you and you get people, you know, just using you and wanting to steal from you and scavenge you and clickbait you and bully you. Look, nothing's changed from the days of junior high school. It's pretty much the same thing.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: This is a little bit of a subject change, but in the same vein, when you're, whether it's investing in a media campaign or even beyond that. How do you think about when you should double down in something and keep going and soldier through versus when you need to cut your losses?
2: On an ad campaign?
0: Yeah. And maybe beyond that, when you're starting a company, when you're working on a project?
2: Yeah. Well, those are two different questions for me. One is on the ad campaign, you should never give up on the ad campaign. You need to shift whatever the offer is. You need to keep working that ad until the offer makes sense to people. Like Sometimes it's just flipping it, Right. Instead of selling the the seat, you're giving the seat away and they're joining a membership. Or hey, here's the seat, you get the membership. Sometimes you just gotta flip it. But if you give up on the promotion of any idea, the, the idea will never will never find its way into society. Now, if you have an idea that's terrible, that's the other part of this question. Bro, you gotta like just cause it's a good idea doesn't mean it's gonna make money. And just cause it makes sense doesn't mean it's gonna make money. So Why would a guy like me compete with Blackstone, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Fidelity? You know, you're going to take those guys on, man. You better be ready to go, right? And you better have a product that has some kind of like unique advantage. And if you find out it doesn't, then you're right. There's a point where you got to bail. Like if you told me you had an idea about an app, the moment you say app, I'm closing my mind. I'm not even interested. They cost too much to build. They cost 10 times that to get anybody to know about them. And it'll cost you 100 times more to to get them to remember that they even downloaded your app to use it. Like, it's just a bad idea. If you can't give somebody the app, even if you give them the app and it has money on the app that they can take, you're going to probably not make the business work. So some ideas are just terrible because there's so much competition in the marketplace. The Newton, do you remember the Apple Newton by any chance? It was about this big. It's probably before your time.
0: Yeah, I don't remember it.
2: If you Google the Apple Newton and Bill Gates or Microsoft, the Apple Newton was the first iPhone. And Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs was running out of money. He went to Bill Gates and said, Look, and they were fierce competitors, hate, really didn't like each other. And Steve knew he needed Bill's help. He says, I need money. And Bill agreed to give them money. They had to bury the Apple, the Newton. I had a product that depended upon the Newton. It was a company. I, I probably never even talked about this before until today. I knew when that deal happened, I had to get rid of the company. They were going to bury the Newton, build it and want it around. And four days later, I got rid of my company. And I took my whipping and moved on. So if you're going to take a whipping, take it quick. Move on. And what you want to do now is you want to take all that energy now that you don't have You don't have to direct and you need to know that you're going full steam ahead with all that energy that you had pushing on that. In this case, the Newton, I had to shift all that energy onto these other projects because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get stuck in the loss, man. If you watch the NFL, right, or a ball club, they run a play. It doesn't work. They don't go cry on the sidelines. They run another play. You just don't want to keep running bad plays, though. You got to advance the ball at some point.
0: Obviously you talk a lot about taking massive action, going all in, being fully committed. How do you think about I don't know exactly you have what 6 or 7, maybe more than that companies now. How do you think about committing time to each of those and obviously you're not running each of them full time. How do you allocate your effort across all of those and how do you think about doing that with multiple businesses?
2: Well, which one's has the biggest payday and which one is closest to the goal line? So most of what I'm doing is kind of emergency managing kind of like a grenade. I pulled a pin. We have a project. You know, I got 60 days and this thing's going to blow up all over everybody's face. So I'm handling things on timelines, like, like this, this podcast, right? Today's podcast, it pops up. They show me this morning. I walk in my office, they're like you got a podcast at one o'clock. I said, why are you telling me right now? Well, I thought you wanted your schedule. I do, but I don't need at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't need to know what's happening at one. <laughs> okay. So, Like from nine to 12 today, I just hammered issues that can advance things, things that are below my pay grade. Somebody else needs to handle it or things that are above my pay grade. There's legal issues like that's above my pay grade. Have $600 an hour person handle that. Have the accounting department handle that IRS thing. Okay, the plane, the plane we flew in last night from New York. I don't know anything about the plane. I just know where I sit on it, but I'm not taking care of it today. The pilots are. You know, they sit up front and act like they're flying the plane. And I sit in the back, knowing I own the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to know your place, dude. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? You can't manage everything. It's kind of like Tom Brady. What is Tom Brady doing? Tom's not playing defense. Tom's playing full on offense. Tom, what does what Tom does? Tom puts points on the board. So my job in my company is to put points on the board. I'm not the video guy. I don't shoot the video. I don't edit the video, but that doesn't mean I can't say, Hey, that video sucks, dude. Add this footage, flip this, put this here, put that there, open with that scene back with me walking onto the plane, dude. That play, that would be perfect for this. Cut it down. Right. And then we play with stuff like that. But look, you're not going to figure any of that out. You know, if you're a one man show, if there's three men in your shop, you're never going to find out what kind of business person you are. Get 30 people. 10X rule, man. You got 30 people, get 300. You got 300, get 3,000. Then you're going to find out what kind of leader you are. And that is when people get to actually meet themselves. And this is not a bad thing. This is going to be a fucking unbelievable thing. When you go from three people to 300, you're going to be like, damn, I am a businessman. I'm a real legit dude. I can do this. But people will never find that out because they're running too small. How can you find out how big you are playing small? It's impossible. You know, nobody knows that a million dollars is no money until they have a million dollars. The only people that think a million dollars is a lot of money are the people that don't have a million dollars. Just go around the streets, bro. You go out on the streets. Where are you today?
0: Nashville, Tennessee.
2: Yeah, go to Nashville. You go out on the streets and say, who thinks a million dollars is a lot of money? Every person that raises their hand will not have a million dollars.
0: Yeah, I totally get what you're saying.
2: You don't know what you don't know, man. And people don't even have any clue about how big they could be because every day they're playing so small. You could be the next Howard Stern, bro. (laughs) But but you'll have to leave your house.
0: Yeah, that's great advice.
2: You won't know it. And the world won't know that you're the next Howard Stern until you leave. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, he had to leave his campus room. He did not want to go to Silicon Valley. He had to leave To become Facebook, what Facebook is today.
0: Why do you think people get stuck playing small ball when they could be so much bigger?
2: Because they got small balls. (laughs) (laughs) You know, how do you get big balls, dude? You got to practice. You got to start swinging your balls around. You got to like, how do you build biceps? How do you build biceps, dude? How do you build calves? Get reps. You got to work them. Okay. Like I've always had small calves my whole life. And the only way I can get some muscles on the, I can get them popping out. I just got to go in there and push them. But you see what people do is people work the easiest muscle they got. They're like, they can get biceps. They work their biceps. My wife, she does abs. She can get abs like instantly. I'm like, look, you need to work those. Okay. You see, I've been working those my whole life, man. They're easy. They pop easy, but people don't pay attention to this stuff that takes a little work. They go for the easy thing. And so the person ends up calling themselves an introvert. They're not an introvert. You didn't stop running your mouth at Thanksgiving dinner the whole time. The introvert sat there and talked a whole damn time. It's like you ain't talked to anybody in fucking three months. You won't shut up when you're around your favorite sister, who's the only one that listens to your bullshit. But you get out in an audience where nobody knows you. And then you're like, oh, I'm an introvert. No, you're not. You're an excuse maker. You're uncomfortable and you're not willing to move through your discomfort. You got small calves <laughs> and you don't want to work them. So, how do you build it, dude? You build courage by being courageous. And courage means I take action in spite of personal harm. I'm at risk. I am afraid. It is not courageous if you're not afraid. There is no courage without fear of being present.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is, "Everything you want is on the other side of fear."
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you don't want to run, man. And it's real, by the way. Your fear is real. It's real. Like it's you can't tell me it's not. You know, it's not real to walk up to uh, somebody you want to do business with and tell them to fuck off, right? I just give you some weird, crazy thing to do. Go, go up to uh, Conor McGregor and punch him. You tell me the fear is not real. Walk up to some stranger and push him for no reason. You'll be terrified, dude. Like, tell me that's not real fear. That is a real, you're having a real, like, wait a minute, I'm having something real here. Make a cold call to somebody. Ask them, you know, you're trying to get a million dollars from So it feels real. So I know all these cool things people say, but I know this. If you don't do the fear, you're going to get smaller as a result of not doing it. That's real too. Like you have to confront your fear. You have to just push through it. You got to push through it. Maybe something good comes out of it. At the very least, at least you're going to find out, wow, I hit Connor. He hit me back. He broke my nose. That could be your breakthrough moment right there. Because you will get so much free press.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Always thinking about the PR. Oh man, Uh, promote first. Number one most important thing people should be doing today is promoting themselves. This is a subject change, but something you touched on earlier as well. What do you think is wrong with most people's relationship with money?
2: They don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) But why? Dude, it's because of our upbringing. You know, you can't take 311 million people Throw them into a place called America, free to do whatever the fuck you want. Money everywhere. Just look around. Just go outside. Have money everywhere, man. I'm like, see, like I'm looking at your bookshelf. I'm like, God damn, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25, $25. This guy wants to buy a book. I don't see my book on your shelf.
0: There's a lot of books you can't see there, Grant. Is any of my books up there? Yeah, I got 10x rule.
2: Let me see. Where is it, man? Where is it? Pull it out. I don't believe you.
0: I gotta go dig it out, man. That's gonna we're gonna run out of time. I'll wait. It might take me like two or three minutes, dude. I have a whole see, stack see, of books you over forgot here, me. You forgot about me. I would never forget about you, Grant.
2: I'm buried in there and
0: all that other stuff. You got the four hour work week? I do have the four hour work week as well. Yeah, you
2: see which one are you gonna go with? The 10x rule, or the four hour work week? Because they're they're complete contradictions.
0: You're inspiring me with this with this 10x talk, dude. I gotta get out of my house. Yeah, dude,
2: I don't want to work four hours a week. I want to work four hours every minute. I like that. So, yeah, back to the money thing. The yeah. money thing's a big thing for every everybody needs to handle this money issue. This is a huge, huge problem in the world. So we hear about this financial inequality every day on TV. I think one percent of the people in America are about to have the entire net worth of the middle class. One percent of America is going to be literally have more net worth than the entire middle class of America. Why is that? Is it income inequality or is it information inequality? You know, I think people have the wrong data. People are operating off the middle class rules. Go to college, get a job, save your money, buy a house, plan for retirement. Small ball. Small balls. One's always smaller, by the way. That's a problem when they're both
0: small. You're a mostly male audience, right? Majority male, but we we have a lot of female listeners for sure.
2: Okay. The women know what I mean by small balls. No courage, man. All talk, all hat, no horse, you know. You can wear the boots, dude. You got the big cowboy belt. That's it. That's where the whole thing ends, right there. Guy's got a big watch and no money in the bank. He's at the club balling like a baller, you know, renting a Lambo on the ride home. No, probably just rented one on the way over there. You know, he owns part of the club with the other 200 guys that each put in 10 grand. It's just a lot of pretend going on, man, rather than like, and look, I'm saying that because I have done some of that and I played smaller. I called on businesses that were doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and I'm consulting them on how they can make more money. They were spending more money in advertising than I was making
0: in a year. That's crazy.
2: Little little bit of a paradox. I felt that every time I went and did it too, they were hiring me to come in and get their people to think different. But every time I did it, I, I felt like, wait a minute, they just paid me, which would look, it looked like a lot of money. It was like, I don't know, 10,000 bucks an hour or something. To me, I was like, I was so proud of it. They're spending 10,000 every hour on advertising. So who's thinking small here? I thought 10 grand for an hour worth of work was a lot of money. They were spending that every hour on advertising. They bought me one time. They bought the ads literally every hour, every day of the week, 30 days of the month, every day of the year. See, well, you got to start like, who am I getting my advice from? My mom, my dad. And if you want money, man, the only place you can get money from, if you want to change the way you think about money, you have to study only people that have mastered money. Not people that have mastered avoiding debt. Not people that have mastered saving money. People that have mastered the circulation of money. You know, some of the names you mentioned earlier. So I don't wanna save money. I was taught how to save money. I'm great at saving money. I needed to learn how to, how do I get money to multiply? How do I have buildings with my name on it? Why does Donald Trump not ever talk about the house he lives in, okay? His house is a building on 7th Avenue. He lives in the top of the 7th Avenue building called Trump Tower. Now he lives in the White House. He doesn't own either one. Like He he has zero interest in where he lives. Okay, He wants to be in places where he can drive control revenue. And Donald Trump might be a bad example because so many people hate his guts, but let's use Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett never talks about his $38,000 house one house he's bought his whole life. He's investing money in companies. Most Americans, the biggest investment they make in their life is to buy a house. Most entrepreneurs have more equity in their homes than they do their businesses. I know business owners that have more equity in their house put more money down on their house than they do their advertising budget. Spent more money on furniture and paint and roofs and appliances than they do their staff or their furniture. <laughs> small <Yeah>. balls.
0: <laughs> Fair
2: enough. Small, small balls until, oh, I can put my name on it. It's 202 Second Avenue. I live there, me and my dog. I know pe- some people, entrepreneurs, they got a bigger budget to feed their Labrador than they do their staff.
0: <laughs> yeah. The part about, I didn't actually know that stat about how entrepreneurs have more equity in their houses than they do in their companies on average. That's mind-blowing. And such a great point about the difference between having a a mindset of multiplying money versus having a a scarcity-based mindset of trying to save money or or reduce debt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for somebody who's listening to this conversation that wants to level up, they want to take risk, they want to 10x, they want to take massive action what would be one action step that one challenge that you would have for them, one thing for them to do? If you're, you said earlier, ahas don't turn into money for somebody who's listening to this interview. What can they do to start taking action or to implement something we've talked about?
2: Oh man, there'd be a lot of things you could do right now. One, how much money do you have in a savings account? You know, get rid of all of it. Don't save any money. Don't have any money in your checking account or your savings account, retirement account, take it all out. Start spending your money. Well, what else can I do, Grant? Okay, What people are doing, they went into business to build a business and now what they're doing is saving cash. It's like, look, you gotta shift everything, man. The, by definition, an entrepreneur is someone that puts time and money at risk in order to have more time and money. And so, organizes a business, taking on more than ordinary amounts of risk in order to grow that business. And then all of a sudden you got in business and now what you're doing is you're saving your money. The so first thing I would do is, if you have any money, I would look at why are you saving money. People save money because they're playing it safe. And now somebody, somebody watching this, is gonna be like, "Well, don't I need an emergency fund?" Maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you do need an emergency fund. What you need to do is build your damn business so it'll take care of you in emergencies.
0: Build cash flow so that you have cash recurring flow. income don't, stream.
2: Yeah, exactly. Cash flow. Spend money so you can have money in time, and so. So that's one thing. OK, if you if you don't want to do that thing or even if you do do that thing, you got to get around some people that are going to push you. If you don't like this interview right now, if, if you're listening to this, and you're like, I cannot stand this guy. Dude, then I'm your guy. You can't like your coach. OK, I'm not a therapist. I'm not Dr. Phil. He lost his show. You need somebody that will bump you. You need somebody that will push you up. OK, you don't need a guy to walk alongside of you. And if you're going to get greater, it will not be without pressure. If you're going to achieve something, something beyond what you've already achieved, you will not do it by yourself. And you will always achieve more with somebody else than you would by yourself. So you need to get a gang. You need to get some gangsters around you. You need to stay in very dangerous environments all the time. Join me at the 10X Growth Conference. Join my mentor program. Get involved with people that are pushing, pushing. Not telling you to push, but are pushing themselves. What do we got for companies over here? Fifteen little ventures. What do we have? Yeah, yeah. We got yeah. we got seven main companies. We got fifteen or seventeen little ventures going on around here. They all take money. They all take time. They all take risk. You know, it's like I'm doing that right now. I'm not. I don't spend all my time talking on stage. We're trying to learn how to grow. So one, get rid of your reserves. Two, get around somebody that'll push you. And three, you need to make commitments to things that pull you forward. So like on my calendar, if you saw my calendar for the next three months, I have all these events pulling me. I want to sleep in, but I have an obligation. And that obligation pulls me. I'm not having anything push me. I'm ha- I'm being pulled forward.
0: Great advice. Really, really insightful. I have a quick question. I'm just curious. Is there ever a point where... I mean, you're obviously tremendously successful. Is there ever a point where you would get burnt out or say, I don't want to keep pushing myself so hard. I want to sit back and enjoy things. Or is it the the pushing and the growing that you... Is it the process itself that, that really motivates you?
2: Every time I've wanted to go sit on the sidelines, something bad happened to me. So probably not. Every time I'm like, I'm good now. I'm gonna chill out. Every time I do that, People are built to create and to contribute. And I'm doing this today. I'm not being paid to do this today. This is, my life does not change because of this podcast today. I'm not doing any business with you right now. I I still don't believe you even have one of my books back there.
0: You're hurting my feelings, Grant.
2: You don't have a statue of me back there. You got a statue of Buddha. He ain't never done nothing for you. So, you know, every time I've gone into that, every time I've done that, I end up like, okay, what's wrong? when I'm producing and creating, producing and creating and contributing and giving back, my day goes by faster. I just got a 10X alert, Amber alert. That's smart, man. Okay. It's time to 10X. 10X, man. 10X. February 20th, 2 2020 I'm doing the most talked about entrepreneur conference on planet Earth. 10,000 people will gather from around the world, for the biggest 10X party on the planet. Three days, we register the fourth day. So the first day is the registration. And then three days, there's a party on the 20th, which freaking unbelievable numbers, 0220, 2020 There's a registration party, it's gonna be insane. And then on day 21, 22, and 23, three days talking about revenue, 10X and your revenue and your sales. Day two, 10x marketing, getting the whole world to know who you are. And day three, how to create the 10x ideal life so that you never burn out. living a life of purpose and power and prosperity.
0: Grant, where can people find out about that conference, find out about you and everything that you're doing online?
2: 10xgrowthcon.com. 10xgrowthcon.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the show, Grant. Fantastic conversation. Some really insightful and potentially controversial points. But I really enjoyed everything that you said. And it was certainly motivational and, and inspirational for me. And
2: Matt, you're the man, dude. But you need to somewhere edit in some kind of proof that you actually have the 10x rule.
0: Okay. I'll send your team a video of me holding the 10x rule. Okay. Awesome. For listeners who are curious about whether or not I actually have a copy of Grant's book, The 10X Rule, check out the show notes for a special video reveal. They're available at successpodcast.com, and you can find them right on the homepage. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt.com. At successpodcast.com. That's M A T T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including. Our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything, you can get it completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode... Please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.